Hey everybody, welcome to Women in the Northwest. I'm Jan Johnson, your host, and with me today is Kelsey Balancefer. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. You are uh, presently working with the uh, Friends of the Library. Correct. In Warrenton, mm-hmm. Oregon. What brought you to that? Yeah, so I have been a passionate library user as long as I can remember. Um, As a child, my mom used to take me to the library back in Ramsey County, Minnesota. They have a beautiful (laughs) library system there. Um, And I used to check out Garfield comic books. That was my favorite thing to get from Mm -hmm. the library. I don't know why a cat who hates Mondays and loves lasagna resonated with me. Um, but that was what I remember. And I do also remember we had a little library at my church and so I could check out books there. So I've always been an avid reader, an avid, um, lover of libraries, big believer in that whole sharing culture Mm -hmm. of, uh, being able to access DVDs, books, um, audiobooks, any sort of resources as a community and not having to have that space individually in your house. And um, so, yeah, when I moved out here to the Pacific Northwest, I initially got involved on the library board Mm -hmm. and uh, joined that in, gosh, I believe it was 2016, was kind of looking for ways to expand my community involvement. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband suggested to me joining a city board or organization. Because he does a little bit of politics. Yeah, he does a little (laughs) bit of politics. But I was not... um, I didn't think that I had the aptitude for being on something like the planning commission or urban renewal or anything like that. But I saw that there was a library board and mm-hmm. I said, that is right up my alley. Yeah. I love libraries, would love to be part of that. And so I joined the library board in uh, 2016, like I said, and <laughs> shortly after I joined the board, we didn't have a chair. So I took over as chair almost immediately. And <laughs> you know what? Isn't it interesting how when something, when you, you definitely know which things you don't want to do. And then all of a sudden some pop out and it's like, hmm, I could see myself doing that. And it just feels right. Yes, it was definitely the right fit for me in my, in my community involvement. And yeah, it was shortly after I joined the board that then city manager Kurt Frisch came to us and said, hey, guess what? Your little library building in Hammond is unsafe. We're basically going to condemn it. Um, It can't hold the weight of the books. It was never designed to hold the weight of books. And the walls were bowing. The floor was having issues. Uh, It was great, beautiful little old building, very nostalgic. It's got a lot of history, but it was not meant to be a library. And so at that point, we had to start a search for a new building. And who would have thought about the weight of the books? Yeah, I I mean... mean, (laughs) Really, that never would have occurred to me. Yeah, it's... uh, that raised floor up off the ground of that little building um, really just provided some challenges with having that space be a library. Mm. And um, so, yeah, we started hunting for a new space, ended up in this current building in downtown Warrington, mm. which is a great spot right on the bus line at the heart of downtown Yeah, with a parking lot, um, with probably two or three times the amount of space the old building had. So it was a very exciting move for us. And um, just recently over the last probably two years, we've been, we had a steering committee working on starting the friends group and then trying to get the 501c3 status. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been involved kind of on the library in two different fronts now at this point on the board. And then also part of the friends group, Dave's uncle is our chair um, and he's a wonderful, again, library lover. And so, yeah, trying to bring the library forward. And a lot of it feels like 
two steps forward, one step backward. You know, there's been some hiccups and some challenges along the way, but I look at where we came from and how much we've accomplished <laughs> since 2016, and it's very exciting. Um, and we hope to continue uh, offering library services in Warrington to the whole community. What have been some of the bumps? Yeah, so we initially, the library was founded in the 90s, and it operates under a local option levy, mm -hmm. so a local tax levy that the mm -hmm. voters have to approve. I think for probably 15 years or so, that levy was nine and a half cents per thousand dollars of assessed property value. When we moved into this new space in downtown Warrington, we actually pay rent. The school district owns this building. Oh. And so we needed to expand staffing and expand funding to be able to pay for this building. And so we increased the levy at that point to 33 cents. And the voters went for it, but that was a significant increase yeah. to kind of bring the library into the 21st century. Yeah. We have a great um, Northwest Library cooperative with mm -hmm. Astoria and Seaside. Um, so there's a lot of um, streamlining of systems and processes that went into place to make it easier for people to use all three libraries. Right. But yeah, definitely getting kicked out of our building right after <laughs> I joined the board was not what I anticipated. And Different. yeah, surprise. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've had some staffing changes. You know, we have one full-time staff member and two part-time staff members. And, you know, part of the reason why last fall in November of 2022, we were going back to the voters with an increase to the levy was to be able to pay the staff members what they're worth. Mm -hmm. We know it's a difficult position to be a part-time employee and, you know, not be making as much as right. you could make somewhere else. Yeah. So we had one of our fantastic dynamic staff members leave and take another job. Yeah. And I totally understood that. Yeah. She's got a family she's got to worry about and, you know, more power to her. Yeah. I hope it's a good fit for her, but we miss her. But we've had some new staff members come in and be mm -hmm. really energetic about the library and their role in the community, which has been really exciting. But yeah, unfortunately, the voters last fall didn't pass the levy increase. Mm -hmm. um, so we find ourselves going back to the ballot this May. We decided not to ask for another increase. It will remain constant at the 33 cents, the existing levy tax rate, just because we we know that, um, you know, asking for the increase was a difficult yeah. timing coming right off of COVID with the right. economy the way it is. But we wanted to be able to offer some more hours and mm -hmm. additional uh, funding and additional programs for our library. But we have to listen to the voters, right. you know, we right. have to be realistic. And they said no. So we as a board said, all right, let's dial things back and reevaluate. <laughs> yep. And so um, we're hoping that folks will continue supporting the library and and continue ensuring that it operates in Warrington, because and that really is the right. difference. It's its sole source of funding. The library either has a levy and it exists or it doesn't have a levy and it closes. Yeah. Which would be so sad. <laughs> yes. Agreed. <laughs> so... Like Astoria, if you're out of district, you have to pay, so you don't have anything like that. Well, we do. Anyone who lives in city limits of Astoria, Warrington, or Seaside can mm -hmm. get a free library card from their local library. Mm -hmm. If you live outside, if you live in county, there is a fee to get a library card. So a lot of the folks um, who have like a five-digit house address, mm -hmm. it means they're most likely in county. And so they do have to pay $70 a year to use the library system. Yeah. Someday it might be kind of fun to talk about getting a library district for the yeah. county. Um, mm -hmm. Just across the river in Pacific County, they have a beautiful library district. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see where, where the future takes us. But right now we just have to get the levy passed this May and be able to continue operating the library. 
what are the funding sources have you looked at? Yeah, so I don't really know that I'm an expert on the funding sources that are out there. Um, I know our city manager, Esther Moberg, um, who was formerly the library right. director in down Seaside. in Seaside. She's got a lot of experience with libraries and funding sources. Um, unfortunately, with Warrington's tax rate the way that it is, um, which was set by the state, the state established municipal tax rates mm-hmm. for every municipality in Oregon, pretty much. And um the city has no ability to increase its own tax rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there isn't um, money in the general fund right. to fund a library. It just right. isn't possible. So the Friends Group starting up was part of our hope to be able to offer uh, more revenue for the library. Mm-hmm. For those who aren't familiar, a Friends Group is a, a nonprofit that's associated with the library and the well-being of the library, but has a separate funding mechanism. It does okay. its own fundraising. And then basically library staff or the board can come to the friends group and say, hey, we want to fund this program Mm -hmm. or we want to add this resource to our library. It's going to cost this much. Will you fund that? And so having the friends group get up and running will allow us to provide some additional funding for the library. Because it's it's a nonprofit. mm -hmm, As a nonprofit, then you can, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be, you know, tax write-off for folks who want to join the friends. And um, not many people want to make a donation directly to the city of Warrington. That doesn't usually happen. Right. Um, I will say, though. They're donating their taxes. That's probably enough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We did have an anonymous community member who donated a couple months worth of rent um, mm. to the dr- city oh. directly, which was pretty exciting and yeah. very, very generous. Yeah. Um, so there's clearly people out there who support the library and are passionate about the resources it offers to the community. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely a balance knowing that uh, the economy is what it is and that people are feeling the pinch in a lot of other areas with their utility bills, with their grocery store bills. So we know that the library offers a lot of resources and benefits, and we hope that people will see that that outweighs the cost. Your general population that comes in here, what do you have more of? Kids, adults, seniors? We really see all ages. Um, We've got some great kids programming. The story time is very popular. The Lego club continues to be popular where kids get to make their own Lego creation and then they get to display it for a a week or so. So yeah, we've got a lot of great kids programming. Um, So we see a lot of little ones, a lot of families bring in grandparents or parents, Mm -hmm. um, aunts and uncles bringing in in little ones. We also have some teen activities. So Mm -hmm. we've got an anime club and the teen advisory board. So that um, young people who want to be more involved in their community can do that at the library. They can have a say in what kind of programs they want to see offered for their age group, what kind of materials they want to see added to the collection. The Friends Group also sustains our Library After Dark program, which has been phenomenal. We have once a month, um, except for we, we take a little break during the summer, bring in a local author to mm-hmm. share about their books, their writing process, their inspiration, lots of good dialogue, lots of questions from the audience members, and usually a passage or two that the author will read from their book. So that's been our kind of primary adult programming that we've started offering. And, and fun for the authors as well. Yes, you speak <laughs> from personal experience. But yeah, I mean, we have a lot Once I started asking, I realized we have a lot of fantastic authors in the area that were kind of flying under the radar. And we love to celebrate all different genres, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, whatever people out there are writing about. It's very 
diverse group of authors as well and topics. And um, so it's been really exciting and fun to be able to offer that to the community and really celebrate some of the local talent that we have here in Clatsop County. You know what, what might be fun is an open mic. Yeah, we have um, talked about what we want to do for future programming. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it comes down to time and resources. I right, right. uh, wish we could clone ourselves and our wonderful library staff members so that we could be everywhere at all times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've talked about, you know, do we want to bring some musicians in so that they can play some music yeah. for people? Do we want to do a poetry slam night? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of options that are out there yeah. that uh, other libraries do that are yeah. awesome and well-received in their community. Um, we just started a little seed library to be able okay. to have a place where people can drop off some seeds if oh. they have a plant that's growing in their backyard oh, yeah. and they want to collect the seeds yeah. and bring them in. Friendship so, gardens. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I believe the Master Gardeners Association um, is hosting an event here at the library in April to oh, kind of fun. do a, a little plant giveaway and promote that seed library a little bit more. But yeah, there's so many things happening at the library. I think people don't realize these days it's so much more than books. It really is. And you don't have to be an avid reader to be a dedicated library user. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now with audiobooks too, I mean, just, it's a whole different thing. Yep. For anybody who's Mm -hmm. got an e-reader or who likes listening to audiobooks, the library card here in Warrington gets you access to the Libby app, which is a, a, basically the full catalog of Oregon Digital Library Consortium items. Which is amazing. It's amazing. And it's, it's very similar to using a library card on a physical book. You Mm -hmm. put it on hold, you wait for the next person to be done reading (laughs) it, and then you get it for, you know, a 21 day checkout period. Yeah. Um, um, but it saves you so much money. I mean, all of the subscription services out there for yeah. ebooks and audiobooks, they're expensive. Yeah. And so it's really cool to be able to use that free resource included with your library card. It is. Tell me a little bit about how you got to Oregon. Yeah. So I had a very circuitous route to get to the Pacific Northwest. Um, I grew up in Minnesota. I think I alluded to that earlier with the Ramsey County, Minnesota library uh, system. Loved Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes and probably 10,001 mosquitoes. <laughs> so I decided that going to college was kind of my chance to experience a different part of the country. And so I ended up going to Biola University in Southern California and um, met some great people down there, majored in journalism and really had a wonderful four years but discovered I was very much not a Southern California person. Mm -hmm. It was weird to be singing about a white Christmas when it's 80 (laughs) degrees and there's palm trees, very much not the same. Um, So it was a good place to spend four years. I was very active, spent a lot of time outside because the weather's always great. Right. But um, I missed having seasons and I did not enjoy the traffic. The urban sprawl in Los Angeles area is very real. Yes. And so I ended up spending one one semester my junior year doing an off-campus study program in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. With my major being in journalism, that was kind of the recommended place to go for a semester, um, you know, with the federal government and everything right. that's happening there as far as legislation and just absolutely fell in love with the city. The row houses, the brick sidewalks, yeah. Yeah. the museums. And the is so different from... Yeah, the East Coast is East very, is very so different. different from the West Coast. But yeah, I mean, it was. I was in my early 20s. Uh, the metro could take you anywhere you yeah. wanted to go. So many restaurants, always something new to see or do. Yeah. And so I um, moved back there after college because I just enjoyed my semester there so much. 
that I decided that's where I wanted to, to be and to stay. Interestingly enough, I clearly did not stay there. Um, <laughs> I was there for a grand total of probably two years. And I ended up um, meeting my now husband on Twitter, which yeah. is not how I expected life to go. <laughs> Um, neither of us were really looking for anything, but he ended up following me on Twitter and we started conversing back and forth and sending emails and talking on the phone and became Facebook friends and ended up uh, that, you know, we were both kind of mutually interested. And I took my very first visit to Oregon, which let me tell you, Oregon rolled out the red carpet. <laughs> he took me down the historic Highway 30 and we yeah. did all the waterfalls. And it and wasn't stormy. No, it was beautiful in the summer, the summer, very oh, green. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> just stunning. And I... And you thought it might always be like this. <laughs> well, I figured I. Uh, it seemed like a pretty good place to, to live. And I had quite a few friends in D.C. who were not very supportive of my desire to move to the West Coast. They felt like I was throwing my life away, mm. hampering my career, any number of things. And I just was pretty much undeterred. Yeah. I knew what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, as much as I appreciate good counsel from trustworthy people, yeah. there's also a lot of people out there that aren't worth listening to. And I just wasn't going to be dissuaded and when ended up... Were in well, when you're in D.C., where it's your focus, your journalistic focus on politics at that time? It was, yeah. And so this was probably not going to be the same once you moved out here? I knew moving out here was probably going to change the trajectory of my career. You know, I thought about possibly applying at one of the radio stations or newspapers mm -hmm. locally, but really ended up just freelancing for a bit. I mm -hmm. was doing some social media management for some clients. Mm -hmm. And then ended up getting a job at the Chamber of Commerce, which yeah. I highly recommend for anyone moving to a new area. You meet so many people right so off the bat. People. Yeah. Um, so it's ended such a up vibrant group. Yeah, going mm -hmm. into event production and um, the previous event production uh, extraordinaire Alana mm -hmm. Quila. Uh, she also had a background in journalism, and so that was a click. Yeah, she was uh, a friend early on after I moved to the area, and. She said, hey, I'm taking a different job. You should apply for this job at the chamber. It's event production. You'll enjoy it. It's fast paced. It'll keep you entertained. And um, really <laughs> the only, yeah, very entertained. Really the only experience I'd had prior with event production was planning my own wedding. And that's so small scale compared to the events yeah. that the chamber does. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 14,000 people at the right. Crab Festival right. and 200 some vendors. But right. Alana was right. I mean, it was, bridge run, uh, yeah, yeah, bridge run. Yep. That's another big one. It was a fast paced and exciting job and really threw me into the deep end in the community. Mm -hmm. I got to know so many people, like mm -hmm. I said, great job, great group of people left that job in 2020, but I'm still really passionate about the work that the chamber does and the yeah. value to the community. Um, so I ended up joining the board this year. So um, yeah. Really, a good group of employees, and a another lot board of, that you felt like you could do. Yeah, another <laughs> another board or or community involvement that fit with my skill set. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's a it's a really good organization. It really amplifies a lot of what's happening in the business community, mm -hmm. and it's something I'm happy to be involved with now as a board member and was definitely proud to be involved with as an employee yeah. for almost six years. Yeah. No, it is such a vibrant group and especially it just brings together the whole community. It's just a networking and 
you know, promoting things. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the event side of things that specifically fell under my purview, they specifically do their events during the shoulder season or the off season. Mm -hmm. You know, we get a lot of folks who visit during the summer. And so that's not really a challenge for hotels to fill up rooms and restaurants to, you know, be busy and whatnot. So it ended up being that, you know, April is Crab Festival. October is the Great Columbia Crossing. Yeah. And people would always ask about the Great Columbia Crossing, the bridge run. They'd be like, well, why why is this in October? Yeah. You know, weather's dicey. It's like, well, first off, ODOT, you know, oh, has right. to sign off on, on the day <laughs> that we can use the bridge. Right. But secondly, the purpose of the event is, yes, to produce a fantastic, high-quality running event, yeah. but also to bring people to town during kind of a drearier season of the year. And And October's um, not always. Not always. We've had some really phenomenal days for the bridge run, but we've also had some pretty terrible days. Mm -hmm. Um, 2016 was the first time that that event was ever canceled, which was when I was at the chamber. And there was the remnants of two typhoons that were moving in off the water. Not conducive for for running. And that was the, um, I think it was Friday before Sunday, which is race day. I think that was the Friday that Manzanita had the tornado come right. through. And I mean, it was dramatic weather-wise. Right. And especially right. as a girl who grew up in Minnesota, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we don't have a basement. Like, where do I go in a tornado? Yeah. You know, we had probably 12 yeah, volunteers exactly. in the building and um, we were not under an active tornado warning, but across the river in Pacific County and south of us were. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, here's my game plan. There's this little tiny closet that I am sure we can all fit in <laughs> if there's a tornado warning because it has no exterior walls, no windows. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the best I could do. Yeah. But that was where my head was at yeah. prior to that event. And so we ended up, you know, in, in concert with our local law enforcement professionals who helped produce that event, mm-hmm. just deciding that if Saturday's storm was going to be as bad as they thought it yeah, was, just... no one was going to be available no. to help with the event on Sunday. No. They were going to be responding I mean, you can't to... set up tents or do anything. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Trying to even... negotiate porta potty delivery. No. And can we put sandbags in them yeah. so they don't blow into the river? Um, we have to worry about that. Maybe not. <laughs> it was a very stressful experience. Yeah. Um, but it taught me a lot about our community, a lot about resiliency, a lot about the generosity and thoughtfulness of a lot of folks in the running community mm-hmm. who really empathized with what we were going through as mm-hmm. event producers in a terrible worst case scenario situation. Right. So, yeah, you know, something that I can look back in life and go, well, I hope I never have to do that again, but I sure I'm glad I learned a lot from it. Well, you'd learn about emergency planning and yeah, there was back. a lot of uh, kind of scenarios that we hadn't really considered uh, mm-hmm. prior to that cancellation. You know, how do you let 3,000 people know that your event isn't happening anymore, you know? So thankfully we had email addresses for most of the people, but there were some folks that didn't have email. So all they provided was a phone number. And so we were manning the the phones with our volunteers and staff, letting people know and posting on Facebook, letting the newspaper know, um, just the media blitz that we had to do to let people know, Hey, it's not happening anymore. And credit where it's due. We didn't have a single person show up on race morning. And of course, Murphy's Law, race morning ended up being nice. pretty much fine. Yeah. yeah. And Saturday's storm wasn't anywhere near as bad as they thought it was going to be. Yeah, but you have to. Yeah. I mean, you may. If you hadn't 
and it was bad, then what? You yeah, know, you, you make the best decision you can with the information the that you have. Exactly. And we had been following the NOAA webinars, you know, with all these emergency managers and law enforcement folks, and we're all on this call together and going through the slide deck of here's what we think the weather's going to look like. And so, yeah, Friday afternoon, yeah. it's like, I think we have to call it. I don't yeah. think we have any other options. <laughs> so, and that was the first time it had ever been canceled. Yeah. Um, of course, during COVID, right. everything got thrown out the window right. as far as event right. production. Well, way back in the early 90s when the race began, it was ish. <laughs> Cindy Heaster at Napa High organized everything and did the book work and all of Then The students were making phone calls and writing letters and doing all of that when it was we. Yeah. <laughs> a we thing. Yeah. And the, the race has changed a lot over the yeah. years. You know, mm-hmm. it's currently a 10K, 6.2 miles. And it was an eight mile course at one point. It came through the tunnel yeah. over by Fort Columbia uh, yeah. at one point. So it is it has changed a lot. It's changed hands. It wasn't always the Chambers event, as you yeah. alluded to. Port of Astoria was involved in producing it. I want to say there was a year that Nike was involved with it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's definitely uh, taken a long time to get to its current iteration. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think it'll probably stay with the yeah. 10K length. Yeah. Though I will say it was always interesting. We would have folks ask if there was a shorter course option. We're like, well, the bridge is 4.2 miles long. Yep. So there's not really an early exit. You can't <laughs> yeah. run a, a 5K. Bridge, you need to pick a different, uh, yeah. different race. Different race. Yep. Yeah. So what other visions do you have about going forward here? Yeah. I mean, I ended up uh, moving to the Pacific Northwest in 2014 and absolutely love it. It is my favorite place that I have lived. I end up in the small but dedicated camp of people who love the rain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even as a child, I loved the rain. Um, But Minnesota gets a lot more thunderstorms than we do out here. But I would sit in my bedroom window and just watch the rain come down in big sheets and the lightning. And I just found it fascinating. So moving out here, I was the right... um, target market, if you will, for this type of weather. (laughs) So I, and I love the community here. Everybody is so passionate about where they live and being involved and invested. It does sometimes make going to the grocery store a little difficult when you run into seven people, you know, (laughs) only there for five items and it takes me an hour. Um, But that is a small price to pay for being in a place where people genuinely but care. But that's the beauty of it as well, you yep. know, is that you have community and relationships. And- yeah. And you, you know, you spend a couple years in this community and you start to realize that you're seeing the same people over and over again. Yeah. If they're involved in one thing, they're probably involved yeah. in four other things. People who do, do. Yeah. <laughs> and so those are the people that I respect and admire in the community and the people that I aspire to be like is just that kind of selfless, loving, helpful, community-centered mindset that you mm-hmm. see so often here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's this is hopefully forever home, but we'll see where life takes me. I will say it's taken me on a circuitous route <laughs> so far. I didn't expect so. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. Uh, just continue to, to trust God in everything yeah. and um, can look back on my life and see his fingerprints on yeah. everything. And yeah. Things that I didn't realize at the time would be so monumental or so life-changing. Um, and he's been guiding it the whole way. Yeah. So I just have to trust that he's going to continue <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> One step at a time. One step, One at, step a time. at a time. Well, that's good. All right. Well, thank you, Kelsey. This is fun and um, enjoyable. 
thank you for sharing your life and experiences and talents with us. Yeah, appreciate you having me and uh, looking forward to continuing to be involved in Clatsop County and whatever that looks like. <laughs> thank you. Thanks again for listening. You can find transcripts and links to the library and Chamber of Commerce in the show notes. Have a terrific week and we'll see you next time.